impact, income, and influence. It's the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization strategy, as well as voiceover, podcasting, and today, an amazing story of somebody who was told they would never walk again, and now is the podcast queen of the UK. She has an amazing sexy accent that has got her on video games, tons of audio work, but also has led to her running an amazing podcast agency. Help me welcome to the show, Anna Parker Naples. How are you doing today, Anna? I'm great, Steve. I didn't know you were going to say that I had a sexy accent. You did say, that, okay, if I mention your accent, that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> that's okay. You're not blushing. So you must have heard that before. <laughs> so anyway, great to be here. Really delighted to be on your show. I think there's a lot of synergy between what we help people to do in my business and, and what you're doing here with this podcast. Thanks. Um, so you actually have a book that is titled very similar to the show. If you want to hold that up and talk to people, just give us the blurb so of it. My book, my first book, which was came out almost two years ago, is called Get Visible, How to Have More Impact, Influence and Income, which is kind of the other way around to your, your show. But we're so close. Uh, and that's really about NLP uh, mindset and then strategy for how you can get ahead in in any industry, but particularly in this entrepreneurial and expert space. That's awesome. We are going to come back to that in just a second. But I want to go back to you said about 11 years ago where this whole journey started for you. You were told that you were never going to walk again. I want to know, like, take us on this journey, because how do you go from there to running a high end podcast agency? So there's a, there's a few pivotal moments. The I was it was a pregnancy complication with my third child, and before I had children, I sort of expected I'd have number three, I'd pop him out, and then I'd go back to working in stage. I did a lot of Shakespeare and a lot of things for the National Theatre in the UK, very kind of serious and dramatic, and that obviously at that point that I'm told to expect that I'm going to be in a wheelchair for life that felt like it was very much snatched away from me. And I was in a right, I I cannot even put into words how low I was at that point. But knowing with two children, two very young children and a third on the way, I have to pull myself out of this, this state. And I've been previously to see a hypnotherapist. For, you know, it was originally because I I was seeing spiders in my sleep. I used to wake up believing that there were spiders. And one particular night, I thought that there was a spider on my husband's cheek. And I very delicately, whilst I was still asleep, went to brush it off his cheek. But unfortunately, what I did was I smacked him around the face. And so, so that was my first encounter with hypnosis. So I knew that it would work. Uh, I knew that it would do something to shift something deep in my psyche. But that's all I knew, really. And so I went for this hypnosis session, expecting to be, you know, in the chair, laid back. But that's not what happened. Instead, we had a very deep, very honest conversation. And I didn't know it at the time, but that was, he was an NLP practitioner. 
And for those of you who don't know, it's neuro-linguistic programming. So how your mind is wired as a result of the words you use and the fact that it's programming means that you can change how you think and behave. This was completely new knowledge to me. And there were two things he said that day that got me thinking. So at that point, I was moaning a lot. I was in pain a lot. I wasn't washing myself. I wasn't leaving my bed unless I had to go to hospital. Things were really tough. I had to be looked after. My four-year-old had become my carer. Pretty dark stuff. Um, But he said to me, okay, so what if... What if it isn't true that you can't still be successful as a performer whilst you're in a wheelchair? What if that's not true? Do you know anyone who has been, who is in a wheelchair, who's gone on to achieve incredible things? And I was actually being treated at the hospital that is the birthplace of the Paralympics. And it's still the main training center for Paralympians in the UK. So I was seeing these people, these wonderful human beings doing amazing things that were in far worse conditions than I was so okay so that sparked something what if I still could perform from my wheelchair what would that look like and then he said what if the doctors don't know your particular case and what if it isn't true that your body can't recover and I'd been so locked into the narrative of what the doctor said it it never occurred to me to see any other possibility and I felt isn't that crazy like I'm I'm just jumping in because it's so the stories we tell ourselves, I I know we're on the same page, like the stories we tell ourselves determine uh, the outcomes that we that are possible for us. And so many people just tell this horrible story of and it's not on purpose. Right. But the narrative that you had, I'm going to be in a wheelchair. I can't perform my wife like my life is falling apart. I'm in a dark place. So he just started asking you questions to reframe your narrative. So I'm going to let you go because you pointed out like you were surrounded by people who were in worse position, but were doing amazing things. And yes, I was. But what was also happening at home to sort of put this in a I mean, my, my, my transformation has been very dramatic and I want to make it clear to people this is possible for anyone at home when someone asked me how I was. It was actually a prompt. So my family who would have to come look after the children, my husband would come home from work, the carers that were coming in. As soon as someone asked me, how are you? What that actually meant was that I would, no matter what I was doing, I would go, oh, I'm really bad today. And this guy, this NLP practitioner said to me, okay, so when you, when you were, what were you watching on TV this morning? tell me exactly what you were watching. And I said, well, I was watching a a UK show called This Morning. And he said, oh, well, what happened in This Morning? What was the thing that was happening? And he said, well, at that point, is it true that you were desperately in pain? And I kind of went, oh, no, I'd forgotten in that moment. My attention was elsewhere. And what had been happening was that every time someone asked me, how am, how was I? I had to overly justify how bad things were which then makes my brain realize oh okay we're doing pain okay we're doing limitation okay we're doing disability so one of the things that we put into place literally from that one first conversation was at home I was only allowed to say once to my husband not a million times and go on about it once that I was having a healing day instead of saying oh I'm so bad and I feel so guilty and I wish I could be a better mom and all of the stuff and we actually asked my parents and the rest of the outer outer family 
not to ask me how I was at all. That was actually a very hard thing to do because they're asking me because they're concerned. And it was actually keeping away their negativity from my door that I think was one of the biggest change points. I want to ask you a little bit more about that. Anyone that has listened to this show knows that I am a huge believer in what we surround ourselves with. The people that we we surround ourselves with influence our outcomes, whether they mean to or not. So I want to ask you, how did they handle that? And how did you talk about that? Because I know when I switched, I left my corporate job and I went into full-time entrepreneurship. I got all kinds of, are you sure you want to do that? You're leaving behind all the stuff like all this and they didn't mean it as negative but pushing in on me and i had to have some pretty candid conversations which led to i mean they're fine now but it led to some uncomfortable stuff i would love to know how they handle that because yours yours wasn't you were leaving a job yours was they were concerned about you it was tough they were hurt in the end, my my husband knew how desperately I wanted things to get better. And I think that's really important. I did deep down want things to get better. Even if, even if I did accept that I was going to be in a wheelchair, even if that had been my future, which at the time it was, that I had to, I had to make peace with wherever I was and whatever was there for me. So in the end, my husband fielded a lot of it. And I actually not cut contact, but dis just was really mindful of the amount of time I was spending with negative people. Uh, even at that state where I'm literally in bed all the time, I, I just had to really watch it. And I, I know for my parents, it was particularly hard because they were really worried. And I guess I was at that point where I had to, I had to follow a different line of thought. Otherwise I, I, I would have been there forever. And it was a horrible, terrible place to be, but it was challenging. And even now, you know, I'm in a very different place. I've fully recovered, which is 11 years down the line. I've done some incredible things. You know, I do still get kickback from my parents about when I say I'm going to build a new arm of the business or I'm going to do a particular thing, I still get, oh, are you sure that's, is that really right for you? Do you think you should be? Because they're concerned, but that that concern doesn't help me grow. Well, that's so that's the thing I guess I'm I'm getting at is like their concern is them their concern that is about them, not about you or where you want to go. So anyone listening to this, like if somebody is asking you stuff that brings you down, I, like my take on it is it's about them. And I can honor them. But at the same time, like shield myself from it and say, that's their conversation. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. I know how I'm changing things. I, I would love to hear that's how I handle it. But I'd love to hear like when they talk to you now and you say, you know, I'm starting this new part of the business or I'm going to go do X. How and they and they have a question. How do you mentally deal with it? How do you protect yourself from it or move through it? So some of this is that historically I would have taken it on board and carried the weight of that, the responsibility, the guilt of the daughter that I wasn't going to do what they said and all of the limiting beliefs that we carry about ourselves. Now, I guess I have more flexibility in how I think. And that's one of the powers, powers of NLP. It allows you to see outside your normal responses. So I might now see it with humor. I might now see it with kindness or compassion that they see things in that way, knowing that I have more flexibility in how I respond. Doesn't mean that I won't get upset if they catch me on, on the wrong day or I, whatever's going on, but I have more of an ability to 
put them in a box if that makes not them but put put their responses in a box it doesn't mean it doesn't imply what I can and can't do I choose what to do with it that's yeah that is so key I think that's the thing right like they can have their thoughts they can tell me their thoughts that doesn't mean I think a lot of people are like well they're my parents so I have to listen to them or I have to take that into account no your parents are giving you the best that they have at the time that they have it right or those people and everybody I think 99% 99% of humans, like we come from that place. Mm. And that's fine. But being able to mentally realize like, I'm human, I'm not going to take that on. And I'm mean, going to just like put it over here, I know, and take it as they care about me. What's their intent, right? Yeah, for that's, sure. I want to ask, because people listening to this are probably like, tell me more about this NLP thing. I know we're going to come back to podcasting. But I want to know what are one or two NLP techniques that you use that the listeners could use that would help them either reframe or move forward in their life? What's something that you use every day? Or I actually use a technique that's kind of a derivative of NLP, but it's actually journaling based. I do a lot of stream of consciousness journaling. So I would literally, you know, when you're mithering over something, something's bugging you, don't quite know why, you don't quite know what's going on. I would literally sit and journal stream of consciousness, any old rubbish that comes into my head and it's all there on paper. And because I can see, I can see all the nasty things I'm saying about myself. I can see all of the criticism about myself or my life that's coming up. And because I can see it, I can then question it. Is that statement I made about myself actually true? So take, for example, you know, if I've had an argument with my daughter, I might write something about I'm such a rubbish parent or why am I always so blah, blah, blah. It isn't true that I'm always that. What else am I? What else am I in the parenting sphere? And how can I find the proof and validation for that? And I think what's really interesting is that we all, we all, we all know someone who denigrates themselves, makes those jokes about themselves all the time that belittle themselves. And yet we've all done it. But the more we do it, the more we're programming ourselves to see our limitation. And I think it's about one, doing the journaling and spotting those things anyway. And two, in your everyday life, catching those moments. So one of the things I was saying about with my husband was I suddenly had this realization that I am talking about limitation and disability all the time. Well, what happens if I stop? What if, uh, and then, so I, I used the example of, we talked about me healing. That's a really different word to I'm in pain. It's a really different experience. You experience that physically differently in your body. So, and it, it opens doors. So let's follow that. What happened when you started changing the conversation around healing? Well, all of a sudden, it meant that there was there was space to play. And I had one of those amazing moments, Steve, whether it's synchronicity or whatever. I only used to leave the house to go to, I only used to leave bed to go to hospital. And my dad was driving me to the hospital one day and someone had found, an old audio producer, had found a demo, a CD demo of voiceover work that I had created maybe 12 years before. So this had been lying on someone's shelf somewhere And they were calling to book me for a job. And it just so happened I was with my father. I took the phone call. I said, no, I can't do that. Put the phone down. No, you know, I don't know. I wasn't really in the best headspace. My dad said, what was that? 
you need to call them back and say you're going. And I'm going, I can't, I can't. And, and then he went, but you've been telling us about these NLP sessions, you can. And actually on the day, my husband took the day off work, so did my father. They literally carried me in because I didn't want to go in my wheelchair. I went on a Zimmer frame and I just... I don't even know how I did it. But when everyone went to lunch that day, the audio producer said, if we'd known that you were struggling to walk, we could have set you up with a um, a, a home studio because that's what people are doing. Now, that was but 11 years ago. Home studio microphones were a new thing, particularly in the UK. You guys in the US were way ahead of us, but this was a new thing. And I literally just had that you know, the classic light bulb above the head moment of, oh, I could do this. If voiceover now that I've done various jobs in when I was a, an early stage actor, if this can now be global and I can do it from home, I can do it around the children, I can do it if I never walk again. Well, hello, this is what it would look like for me. I get a bit tingly when I talk about this. This is what it could be like for me to be world-class at what I do from home in a wheelchair if necessary and I'm going to do it and I literally learned how to edit how to set up a home studio from bed I learned everything and back then we didn't have Facebook groups we didn't have YouTube videos in the way that we do now Um, but I found something that gave me hope that switched my thinking from oh I'm always in pain to this is exciting and I'm going to excel it filled that space and gave me something very positive. And to cut a very long story short, I went full on into that NLP mindset stuff at the same time as I really took the bull by, bull by the horns. I don't know if that's a phrase you use in the States. Took the yeah. bull by the horns in terms of I'm going to be the best voiceover artist I can be from home. And it gave me space to recover And two years later, I was on my feet. And a lot of that was connected with the podcast that I was listening to. Real motivational, you can do it. You, whatever it is you're thinking, you can get there. Hence my love of podcasts. And to skip forward from that, I then really specialized not just in commercial work, but I wanted to do the acting stuff again. So I focused on audio books, very high profile video games, which I can never disclose which ones they were because they're under non-disclosure. Um, and so I find myself just six years after being told that news, fully recovered and on the red carpets in Hollywood for my audio work for the seventh time. And I literally just, you know, even when I talk about this now, that journey was so incredible. I, I had this moment as they're snapping away on the red carpets, for, you know, everyone who's everyone in the voice industry, the people who make up the landscape of our lives without us even noticing, realizing that I have got myself to the, the, the best possible position I could be in. And I was booked around the clock and I just had this moment of, I don't want to talk into a microphone anymore and use other people's words. What I want to do is tell my story and I want other people to understand that what I've achieved, anyone can do. I'm not exceptional in what I've done. I just found the way. And so at that point, I then came into the entrepreneurial space, but really I thought I was coming into entirely motivational content, but how, how do you get your message out there? And one of the answers is podcasts and audio. So we're going to come back to podcasting in 
one second. I want to go back to NLP because I know I've recommended NLP books and tapes and programs to people. One of the biggest questions I get, which I'm going to toss to you because I'd love to see what your thoughts are, are when you're looking for, you said yourself, like finding, finding that work gave you the positive outcome to start focusing on and start moving forward. A lot of people, I think they get when they're at the bottom, right? They're, they're hitting the rock bottom. They're at like that one, two, three, like crashing. They say there's nothing positive. I can't find one thing to focus on. Like I start to focus on, I just think instead of, you know, I'm going to be a winner. I, that could never be me. I want to be a winner. I want to be a winner, but it feels like they're lying to themselves. Right. You, you, I think, you know what I'm saying. I don't know know if I'm articulating it correctly. You feel like you're lying to yourself by saying I could do something positive. How do you get beyond that? How do you, how do you just pivot and say, you know what, this is it. And I'm moving forward and get that motivation. I think at that point, it's about going and seeing someone who really knows NLP, a master practitioner of it, because they will help you recognize when your language is sabotaging your own life, when you are the cause of the problems that you have. And I know I can kind of say that now, and it sounds really grandiose. I had to wake up to the fact that my language was one of the prime reasons I was disabled in the first place. And that, that might sound really odd. I, I had a pregnancy condition. It was really serious. But one of the things I used to say to myself over and over and over again, which deeply affected my acting career, was that I was going to be overlooked and I was going to be rejected. Okay. now those two thoughts would have come from very early on in my childhood. And they were then perpetuated through things that happened in my teenage years. Okay, traumatic things. But they weren't true. But what was happening for me is I would go into situations expecting that this is going to be over. I was going to be overlooked. I was not going to be accepted. I was not going to fit in. The audition wasn't going to work out. I wouldn't make the friends I wanted to make. I'd be the the outsider. I was sabotaging all of that. And actually what I recognized was that being in that wheelchair, yes, I had a condition, It was actually a manifestation. And I don't mean in that kind of woo-woo sense. My brain had actually gone, oh, okay, we're doing being overlooked. Well, you're never more overlooked than when you're in a wheelchair. People literally don't look at you. They look at the person pushing you. We're we're doing, you can't do anything. Okay, so this is is what it's going to look like in your life. And I don't think you can understand how deep those and quick those changes can be from reading books on NLP. I think you have to work with someone that comes highly recommended, who focuses on doing breakthroughs with people like that. But the work can be quick, very quick, and it can be long lasting. Awesome. That's I think that is good advice. I'll point out if you guys didn't pick up on it, the the change that happened for Anna was that she took responsibility and said, this is mine. I'm going to own it. I've never been in a wheelchair, knock on wood. That would be a really, really hard thing to do. But the minute that you take responsibility for whatever is happening to you is the moment that you can then have the power to change it. So congratulations to you for, for learning that. It's not, not an easy lesson. Um, and it eventually led to you recovered. So, yes, and and I, it was a it was a longish road to recovery, but given that I never expected 
at that uh, there was a point I I thought this was for life and now I don't have any 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 issue with walking nothing that's awesome and it's really I mean you're you're a speaker you get on stages one of the things I don't know why this junior doctor said it to me but he said ha 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 you know even if you did end up ever being able to stand again you'll never wear heels so whenever I get up onto stage you can bet your bottom dollar I'm going to wear a pair of high heels <laughs> do you say that a doctor told me I'd never do this? And I often I do. I'm quite well known for wearing some really corking, really kind of British vintage shoes. So nice. yeah, that's that's part of my story. Awesome. So, okay, let's pivot and let's go into podcasting because that's where all this journey ended up to you sharing your message. Tell us about your book on podcasting because this is, I mean, you, we talked about how you got here, but you really went into podcasting. Um, I want to talk about the agency that you do. I want to talk about equipment. That's the number one question that everyone has here. But first, let's tell, let's talk about your book. So my, this was my second book then, which was released exactly a year after my first book. It's called Podcast with Impact, How to Start and Launch Your Podcast Properly. Now, the reason it's called Podcast with Impact is there's two reasons. One, I believe impact is really about how we have that ripple effect. Podcasts can change lives. Someone could listen to our conversation today and something that we discuss that you say or I say or something between us could be that catalyst of change for somebody. And that for me is what this vehicle, this, this vehicle of podcasting is all about. The other thing is from an entrepreneurial space, if you get your podcast right, right from the word go, from how you launch it, how you conceive it, how you execute it, it can have dramatic changes to your business in a way that isn't possible in any other medium, not in how you do your, your Facebook, not in even how you launch your YouTube, but you can position yourself very powerfully alongside industry leaders right now. As it grows and expands as a um as a platform, you might not have, it might not be quite the same, but right now you can really position yourself very powerfully. And the other thing is it's how to start and launch your podcast properly because I got it wrong the first time. And even though I knew everything I knew about audio, I didn't understand how to get my message out there. So and let's, let's dive into that a little bit. We'll get to the technical stuff. If you're listening, you're like, just tell me what stuff to buy. It'll mm -hmm. be in the show notes. Instead, Let's talk about, because I've seen a ton of people launch podcasts and they go nowhere, they get two downloads, they never do the stuff. So let's talk about the mistakes that you made and what the biggest mistake you see people entering the market is. I think it's the same, that people start podcasts and do a few episodes and don't tell anyone because they want to see how well it does before they tell anyone. Well, your podcast is going nowhere unless you tell people to go and listen to it. I see so many people do this and, and quite a lot of people in, that come to work with us in the agency. It's because they've launched, they've got 10 episodes in, they've got a handful of downloads and they can't understand why. The other thing is that if you don't, and I, I did, I, I got this completely wrong myself. I didn't understand the, how it works to fuel a business, how it works to bring people into as leads into your business. And so if you don't understand those components and exactly who you want to speak to and which other podcasts you want to be positioned alongside, there's going to be lots of minor things behind the scenes that you're, you're just unaware of. You don't know what you don't know. And 
you know, this can, this has potential to be such a powerful medium, even for somebody who doesn't have any social media following to go from zero to, you know, thousands and thousands of downloads across the world. Why wouldn't you want to get it right? All right. So I'm going to ask the questions that you brought up. You mm-hmm. pre-framed them really well. How do you pick who you want to be next to? And then how do you position yourself? Okay, so you've got to think about who, which podcast is my ideal client listening to? Where are they? And not necessarily just the big ones, but the smaller ones, the ones that are doing okay, the ones that are up and coming. What keywords are they using? What categories are they in? Could you get them on as a guest so that you're piggybacking off the podcast that they've already created? How can you develop that collaboration feel with them? Um, How can you make sure that the content that you're actually creating episode by episode is something your ideal client wants? And this is, you know, some people, and I didn't, I never thought about it. I just would title my episode, either the guest's name or something quirky. That's not why people choose to tune into content. They choose to tune into content because it gives them a result. Correct. It it provides value. Unless your guest is someone like Oprah that everybody's heard of, nobody knows your guest. For example, I was saying to someone else the other day, you know, a friend of mine from school, I said, I've got this amazing guy coming on. He's huge. He's this. And she was like, I've never heard of him because she's not in my world. Yep. And even in the entrepreneurship space, which can feel quite, quite closed sometimes, you don't know who you don't know. And if you're titling your episodes just with a guest name, who knows them? Nobody. So you've got to always think about what's the hook for people. I agree. Always, always people buy outcomes and by replace that word buy with take action. You have to offer them an outcome. It doesn't matter whether you're selling a widget, trying to get them on a podcast, watch a YouTube video, like you on Facebook, they buy the outcome. How's that going to make them look? What does it do for them? What does it actually get them? Yeah, for sure. And fast. (laughs) So the next question then is the other question that you ask about podcasting is most people don't think about how it brings leads into their business. Mm -hmm. How does a podcast translate to leads? So there's, there's a couple of ways. One is that, so for example, I like, like I am today, I'm often a guest on other people's podcasts. People would hear me. They'll either, I'll either kind of be on their wavelength, resonate with them. And they might be intrigued. So they'll pop over to my podcast. I then have tons of value on Entrepreneurs Get Visible. So they might then come and listen and feel that they know me a bit more. So then when I'm next positioning, I've got this new freebie you've not had before, or I've got this, I really want you to go and buy my book this this week because I want it to do such and such. People are much more likely to do that. Um, And what we what, what's actually there was a report at the end of 2020 so not that long ago now where it's believed that as a result of people listening to podcasts 81% of people say that they've taken action with intent to purchase as a result of listening to a podcast now when you compare this with any other medium radio tv whatever it's way higher way higher in fact it's the highest return on uh, that intent to purchase. Now, that that intent to purchase could be getting your freebie, could be signing up to your course, could be purchasing your book. 
But when you when I hear that stat, I think, why aren't more people being really intentional about what they talk about? And not from a salesy point of view. Right. Well, that's, that's I not think, what it's all about. I think that's where people get it wrong. Like they're like, how do I talk about my business in a way that gets somebody to lean forward and say, I might want to work with them versus making a hard sale. Like yeah. you should go buy my stuff on my website right now. Right. Like yeah. they don't understand that the, the middle ground right there, the messy middle if you will, is where the money is. It's in how do you talk about what you do in a way that gets people excited? And honestly, I think some people lack that skill. They just, mm. they don't know how to, they might be really technically inclined, but they don't know how to talk about it. Or they're really good on the sales side, but they don't know how to sell without making direct offers, right? Does that make sense? It does make sense. And what I want to say about that is everything, everything we buy is rooted in story. There's a reason. And I'm sure speaking, you found this with your podcast, Steve, is that people will come and work with you because they know you. You're not telling them everything about what you've had for dinner. You've not told them about the argument you had. You don't, they don't need all of that. But you give them enough that makes sense to them and the position they're at in their world that they're intrigued and want more. Absolutely. And that could, that more could be coming to your community, your Facebook community or or whatever it is. And then they enter the funnel. That's so it's not necessarily that the best return on investment with your podcast is going to be direct sales from people who purchased the course or direct suddenly want to be in your mastermind. It's not that. It's a longer but deeper process. Well, that's it's the top of funnel. And it is really just getting them to lean forward and be like, oh, how do I take more action with them? I want to yeah. learn more. Oh, I'm going to friend them on Facebook. Oh, I'm going to find them on Instagram. Oh, he has a lead magnet. I'm going to go get that. Um, it's being able to do those kinds of things. So I have a couple rapid fire questions for you that we'll just go through that are straight. To the point. Straight answers. So the first one is if somebody wants to start a podcast, what should they have for a budget? You can do this with any budget. Let's say under $100, you can start. What's the most important thing for them to purchase? Good quality headphones. But I I, what I actually want to say is it's not the purchase. It's the environment they record in. That's a very good call. So how? what would you recommend for people to record in? They want to stay 100, 200 bucks. What should, they, what should they record in? How should they set it up? Well, if they're doing audio only, then I would be looking for the most enclosed space in the house. So could it be your coat cupboard? Could it be like for me, my, my whole studio started off as my airing cupboard, which we've developed and it's now a proper recording studio. Find the place that's not got hard flooring, that's not near a window, where you can kind of snuggle yourself up with duvets and pillows. That is the thing that makes the biggest difference to your sound. I agree. I think you can use you can use the Apple headphones that came with your iPhone to record on as long as you in a carpeted room, you want some pillows around you or soft walls that absorb the sound. So it's not getting a bunch of echo for 60 to 80 bucks. You can buy a reasonable mic. 150 bucks gets you a great mic. What do you recommend for people to use to record on? My favorite app is called Twisted Wave. So if I'm doing a solo app, a solo record, I use Twisted Wave. It's the simplest. You can use it on your phone, your iPad, your Mac. 
most times people are still doing interviews on Zoom. And if you understand Zoom, which we all do, having been in a pandemic for 12 months, don't overcomplicate it. Now, some audio engineers get really sniffy about the audio quality of Zoom. I'm not one of those people. I understand why it matters. And I also understand really why it doesn't matter that much. So if you know Zoom, use Zoom. Zoom is probably, I mean, I've, I used a fancier setup. Zoom just makes it so easy. And the audio quality is better than average, especially if you have a good mic. It just makes everything super easy. And if you're going to do video, it records three different versions of video. My, my camera, your camera, and our side-by-side, -side, which any video editor can easily make interesting with editing. What other, so we went through, think about where your ideal audience is, who are they listening to, what categories, how can you position yourself? We talked about always titling your episode with a question and an outcome, something that gets them to lean in a little bit. Talked about budget. We talked about the number one things that they should do to set up. Anything else that we should leave the listeners with? You have got to treat your podcast launch like you would treat the launch of any product or service because then you will get results. You treat it like a launch. You take it seriously. You go all in from day one before anyone's even heard your trailer and you have a better chance of getting yourself in the charts in the US, the UK, all across the globe. And once you become a, a podcast, a, a podcast, what do I want to say? A chart topping podcaster, your podcast has always achieved that, right? And how cool is it to be able to say I'm a top 10 podcaster? You'll always be able to do that. Awesome. Well, Anna, it has been a Wonderful experience to have you on. I know we talked about both of your books, but if people want to find you, you have a wonderful resource for people looking to get into podcasting. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I get asked all the time, what do I need to do to start a podcast on my own? I'm not yet ready to invest in anything else. So we put together a 25 point checklist. There might even be more points, but this is everything I think you need to know to go from conception right the way to getting out of the gate. And so that's available at annaparkernaples.co.uk forward slash podcast checklist. Um, but go grab it. Awesome. And thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Um, I still want to know what video games you're on, but I know you'll never tell. I can't. It's not worth it. <laughs> to everybody else out there tuning in, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. Make sure you grab the podcast checklist. And until next time, take action, change lives, and make money. We'll see you soon. Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people, and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to deathtobadwebinars.com and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time.